This is Coda Radio, episode 240 for January 16th, 2017. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode's brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Scale Your Code. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week, like the soldier he is at the keyboard with a drink in his hand, why, yes, folks, is Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike! Chris, I am here for you today. Oh, yeah, this I do is need a judgment. Let's be honest, full zone. Yeah, it is. yeah, there might not be much judgment between you and I, but there is an audience listening. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I did check my email as promised. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I won't do that again. Oh, that's right. No, it, it wasn't as bad. Um, I forgot. You know what? The gin and juice in my hand helps. Snoop was right. Well, that's nice. That's good. I just have an ice water here. Once again, the JB Studios, you know, it, it's just if they could if they could if I could add like maybe powdered alcohol to a glass and then drink that on the show, that I think would be the perfect coder radio because then I could just have like dried alcohol like like if you have forgotten like those vitamin C packets just like that. You add it to the water, it fizzes mm-hmm. up. Now you got yourself a lovely cocktail. I'm just yeah, an idea I, guy, Mike. Somebody else somebody else got to run with that. But I think it's a great idea. Can I have equity in your idea? Is that what you're telling me? I could build the actual factory for the oh, – sorry. You could at least build that back-end bot. Some, something's got to process the orders. Well, I got papers right here that tell me it is it is a hell of an episode. And one of the other things, my instinct, you know, I got instincts on this thing 240 in. Uh, when we delete entire sections and add sections of the show notes because of how we're feeling fired up in the pre-show, usually going to be a good show. It's going to be a rough one for you. I mean it's going to be a good one. Do you want to start with the feedback so we can just sort of like yeah, you know what? I, I'm liking the classic uh, yeah. the classic flow from last plus week. it doesn't make it seem like a insane uh, uh, sons of bitches uh, because yeah. we at least spend a few minutes talking uh, rationally before we get into the really crazy stuff well and I get to get deeper into my drink so when we do get there it's going to be more fun you know uh, a, a more professional operation would have checked to see if the video capture was working in the show. But here on Coda Radio, I was too busy ranting and raving uh, in the pre-show about my hardware situation that I actually forgot to check the camera input. But it, this all relates back to uh, things that are going to come up later in the show. So I will read this email. And those of you that are watching, well, you're in the minority anyways. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Paul, uh, Paul has a healthcare experience, um, which he wanted to write in about. He says, I have an observation and a follow-up question on my hopes in starting an IT business. Mike, you mentioned that you were paying $575 a month and 200 for Vision. It turns out I pay a similar amount for similar coverage. He's got Blue Cross uh, Pro. Uh, under my current employer with just over 100 employees in downtown Chicago. I live just over the Indian border, so I hope this means I get – I'm sorry, the Indiana border. <laughs> I live on a reservation. I live just over the Indiana border, so I hope this means I can get similar deals once I have my business up and running. Now I just need some clients. That brings me to my follow-up question, though. What might be the best way to get clients? Is it worth it to get a search engine ad or pay some sales firm? How do you build up a clientele? Boy, is this not the real question? So, so 
I've spent about a year or seven trying to figure this out. And let me tell you what a really, really good way to burn thousands of dollars is. Yeah. Hire a call setting firm. Oh boy. It's amazing how much money you can spend and not get back. Another great way to spend a bunch of money and get nothing back. Facebook ads. They are super effective at draining your bank account. Yeah. And the only kind of Google ad that would ever work for you is something that is actionable almost in the moment the user clicks the link. Yeah. So if you had something to offer them that was immediately yeah, that, actionable, then that might work. So the only types of ads that have ever worked for me, and to be honest, they don't work in numbers. And I, full disclosure, I am still studying this and I'm constantly like, it's an art. You're my, constantly, you yeah. never stop. Traditionally, the the best way. Well, let me, let's backpedal a little bit, right? If you want to advertise, I don't think advertising is actually the best way to get clients. Yeah, I, I, it's not. Uh, it's not at it, all. It, it's really inefficient. But but if you feel the need to advertise, having an advertisement that says, you know, let's just say you're an app developer, right? Hey, I can get an app for your business. Well, doesn't work. You need to have like a transactional offer. Do you know what really works? Podcast ads or ads that are like podcast ads where it's in fact, and this is not me blowing uh, Chris's skirt up and it is a lovely skirt. I mean, it's Thanks, thrills. I'm, I'm really, I really appreciate that you noticed that I put a lot of effort into that. I think you hand sewed it myself, but honestly, the most effective ad I ever ran was on Jupiter Broadcasting. And this is not me plugging. I am not being paid for this. Where I, I, I did it uh, six months ago, right? It was like email and use the code Angela or something like that at the time. Angela is <laughs> the one who set it up. Yeah, I just, yeah, something like that. And like we, we did a documentation discovery for like 50% off or something. But I mean, other than it being funny because the listener, and I think I ran it at the very end of Faux Show is I think exactly when I did it too. It's effective because one, I knew the Jupiter Broadcasting audience was technical. While maybe they are not my ideal client because they're developers themselves, their manager almost certainly is, right? Someone who's going to outsource their mobile work. But more importantly, you put a clock on it. So it was a, what was it, Chris? It was like a month. You had a month, right? It was like the month Which, of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Usually, and that means four spots. So usually if somebody's jumping around a bit, yeah. they get a chance to hear it. And the deal was I gave like the run of the ad plus half a month if you use the code then you got the deal. So what that also does for, for me is it tells me, well, is this effective? And, you know, after let's say, I don't remember the month I ran it, but let's say I ran it last September. Well, by no, mid November, I would basically know how many people responded. Also yeah. podcast apps are far cheaper than Google heads. Yeah. Especially scale. ones here, uh, you know, and uh, it's not that we, it's just because we don't have uh, a, uh, we don't have like mass tech shows. We have very specific tech shows. So we have more focused sponsors, which means that we don't come in and say, well, you have to pay us $20,000 for every thousand or whatever, whatever right. Laporte charges. Like Laporte just gets nuts numbers because he's got a name, he's got a brand and he's got a general tech audience. It's but a lot. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I, having done these, the sponsor ads now for years, I, I, I definitely have a sense of how we perform for our sponsors, which is really, really well. Um, and in fact, better than twit, better than a lot, depending because it's, a, it's not just what, how well you perform, but it's also how you charge, uh, how much yeah. and how, you, how it's all structured. So we try to make it a good value, but I would, t I would say this, um, that's only really going to work if you have something you can offer to the general world. Uh, if, if you were looking for local yeah. clientele, that's not going to do it for you, Paul, because unless, unless we happen to, for some reason, have a phenomenal following in your neck of the woods, 
you're not going to reach very many people in you, in your area. I would say, Paul, I wouldn't even worry about advertising until no, you, I wouldn't either. You I'd shouldn't. Like, you worry about yeah. it at this. I got this is this is your benchmark when you have a when you have someone on staff who's waiting around for leads. And you can afford ads to help supplement their lead generation and then they will take the incoming lead. They'll act on it immediately. They'll schedule things. They'll figure out if they're a good client and they'll come back to you with that. That's when you're at the point where you should buy advertising. Until you're at that point, advertising is not going to do dick for you. If you want local clients – this is something I'd experimented with at the beginning of last year. I would really reckon I, – I, if I get a chance, I might try it again for 2017. I just kind of had an opportunity, so I jumped at it. I would look around. You'd be surprised to find out how many of your local businesses are part of referral groups or part of yep. business groups. And, chambers of Commerce. And a, and a lot – Chambers of Commerce. A lot of times they're looking for a – computer guy, an IT guy or a developer specifically because all of these businesses are are starting to need little things here and there. And both – I attended two different groups, uh, one here that the business – the business group where my business is located and one where Hadia's business is located. And in both groups, they – had just recently found a developer that they were just ref- – whenever any of the businesses needed development work, they went to that guy or anyone that they wanted to refer. And the, the way the group works is they incentivize the members to refer other people outside the group to the members of the group. So the people of the group are working for you in a sense. And it's a part of a system. It's a structure. You got to go to these dumb meetings and have you know these events that you got to go like, to and you stuff know, like you, that. You're going to drink a lot of watered down beer. Yeah, and a lot of you're going to socialize with people yeah. that don't have any idea what you do because you know one of them's running the local paper, another one is a doctor. Right? They're not in you, but you are. You have you, a common you know, goal. I, I would caution you though because. It, and that's a mistake I made for a very long time. Was like writing off people like that. Sure. Yeah. But the guy who runs your local penny saver. Probably knows every business in the area because he tries to sell them ads. And I bet they have software. Something yeah, tells I, me I, they have software. I bet they have a website too. So but this you, this would be like a good way to sort of build a client base initially because yeah. really, Paul, the super truth of the matter is the only way you're really going to get clients initially is by who you know. And if you don't know anybody, you better get known people. You yeah, got to go meet it, some people. So let me take that a step further. And then I have a pro tip that I probably shouldn't share, but it works. Um, one, you know, the best way to grow your business if you're small is and, and by like Buccaneer is super small, right? We're small. It's do good work, get referrals. That is the most yep. effective way to get more business. Yeah. And and have people and, and have your services be something that people need. That you know, so that way when some when they refer you, oh that oh gosh, yeah. It's really it's it's really about who you know, yeah. and if you don't know, then you've got to fix that situation. And I would I would I would sort of do some local networking, dick around uh, and you could just ask your if you go to if you pay, if you patron any of your local businesses while you're in there, you could say if you're talking to the person that owns it, hey, are, are you a member of a referral group? Do you know if I, I I didn't even really realize this was a thing until last year and it sort of opened my eyes as a great way to get business. So I would say so, do, look at that stuff over advertising for a long time. There is one little dirty trick you can do. Yeah, yeah I want to hear this. In fact, I am going to Florida – um, in a couple of weeks. And then after that, uh, I'm going to an SBA conference in Orlando. And then after that, I'm going to a very special place in Denver that we'll talk about shortly. Go to conferences, but don't necessarily buy tickets for all the sessions. Oh, every yeah. hotel has got a bar. Seriously. If the session is not necessarily directly in your benefit, Hang out at the bar for about an hour. Yeah, especially because you can't really talk during sessions. So your right. your chances are when you're coming in and going out. 
Well, that's one of the reasons I, I often don't really see the value in me going to WWDC because it's so damn expensive. And really, my goal is to like sit at the bar and run into one guy who wants to subcontract me some iOS work. Yeah, or the stuff going around the conference. I was going to say. So, like, I don't remember. I was trying to remember the name of it, but there's like a there's like a community run event at WWDC for all the people that didn't make it. All con, all con. Okay, yeah. yeah. There's those kinds of things where you could do networking, but like, yeah. So, so you take uh, you take a your your average conference. Your best stuff is going to be in the main floor and out in the entranceways, and um, maybe at the restaurants around the conference. Restaurants, pubs, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good tip. That's a Michael Dominic pro tip. Now, we have an entry in here from Medium almost once a week, and I'm, I've generally been pretty impressed. So I, it seems to be the platform people are going to these days. And this guy is an Android developer. I, I, I'm led to believe because get this, the Twitter handle at DevilDroid. That's our DevelloDroid. That sounds like a developer. Um, and it's about Flutter. What the heck is Flutter? Yeah, so actually Ian shared this. Uh, he emailed me. He literally just emailed me the link, so I just went ahead and sent the link in. Flutter is a uh, a Dart-based cross-platform mobile app development toolkit. Uh, I don't know much about it. He had asked me to take a look at it and mention it on air. Like, I did a brief 10-minute look. Looks interesting. I mean, I don't, for my purposes, it's probably not something that makes sense, right? Because, you know, the customers I talk to know Angular, they know Xamarin, they don't know Dart at all or flutter rather um but you know i i picked it out of the the few emails we got because all my ragging on dart and there seems to actually be momentum in dart now um this cross-platform toolkit i'm actually seeing some very interesting kind of front-end web development frameworks being written in dart and some ui toolkits which i thought dart was dead chris i mean did i just miss the boat here (laughs) I, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm batting a thousand. They're always being wrong. So hey, well, you definitely don't hear a lot of talk about it. Yeah. So I guess on that on that meter, you know, it seems to be low. Like on the fact, like if it was like a EKG, like beep beep, it's kind of like a pretty weak beep in terms of buzz. All right. Well, that's okay. that's now amazing. Okay. That's that's it. That's all our hoopla for this week. Now we're just going to no, get into we this. Have hoopla. Oh, well, we that's – okay. Okay. That's true. That was the feedback. Now it's the hoopla that's probably going to get me upset. This is probably where things are going to go off the track. So why don't we save a little face first and thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this here episode of the Coder Radio Program. Yes, that's right. DigitalOcean. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. Apply it to your account after you've signed up or if you already have signed up and you get a $10 credit. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own server on their impressive infrastructure. Linux for the virtualizers or Linux for the host servers, KVM for the virtualizer. They have SSD storage for all of the disk, so you get super fast disk access, 40 gigabit e hypervisor connections to the internet. That's amazing. Then they combine it all with a very intuitive, easy to use interface. And they have data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, Germany, and India. I just I think that's so cool. I think and also a big a big point of usage here at JB now is their API. The interface is amazing, and if you're a beginner or an expert, you're really going to appreciate it. But the API is what makes using DigitalOcean as easy as telling one of our bots to turn on turn something on. And I do it before every show, and I just I just love it. It's such an easy way to integrate the DigitalOcean infrastructure into the infrastructure that we already have here. It's so smooth, and the pricing is perfect for three cents an hour. You can get two gigs of RAM, a two core processor. 
a 40 gigabyte SSD, and three terabytes of transfer. And you want to experiment with something, you're doing a project, or you need a little temporary infrastructure, or maybe you just want to throw something up on a fast public server to have somebody else test and bang on something for you. Shoot, I'll just do it when I just, when I'm only going to be using the command line for a while. I'll sometimes just work for my DigitalOcean droplet because I'll use SSH and I'll connect in and you can use screen or mosh, which is super cool. Mosh, I really love because on what it, it will survive a sleep and suspend for my laptop and I can be, I can change networks. So I'll start a mosh session to my DigitalOcean droplet here at the studio and I can close my laptop, go home, open up from my MiFi connection at home, my mosh connection reconnects, which is just SSH on the back end, and I'm back and working on my DigitalOcean droplet. Three cents an hour. It's so outrageously great. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program and that's that Coder Digital pro, uh, promo code which is just one word. You apply it to your account. So do you want to talk about uh, this move from Java to Dart before we get too far off the rails here? I do. Uh, so David Moore, who is a uh, – well, I'm sorry, David Morgan, who is a Google engineer. He works on the AdWords team. We, we've actually featured a couple of his posts before, but I don't know if we've actually mentioned his name. Um, he is talking about how he moved his, himself, his part of AdWords, from Java to Dart. And I think it's a great post. I'm not going to go into so much detail for those who don't know, Dart is a Google replacement for Java, right? It's a web programming language, um, and it's particularly meant to be Java-esque. I don't know. I, I just felt like there was something happening here, right? It, it, I don't particularly think it's worth my time to invest in Dart. I think the stronger, um, you know, in, in the web world, the things that seem to be really taking over are, you know, React, which I don't like. Um, and Angular is still hanging on, but also Vue.js. Have you heard of this, Chris? No. I I actually, I have heard of, before you go any further, one thing I want to stop. one Because I, I, I have heard of, you mentioned it, or somebody in, in the audience mentioned it, but this is something he said, before you go too far off on his post, uh, oh, I lost it. Dang it. He makes a great point here that I wanted to ask you about. I'll keep looking for it. Because he's talking about some of the great features of the SDK, and this is part of what Dart's SDK, which I can kind of actually – I can kind of grok where he's coming from. Um, I'm, I will continue to look for it, see if I can find it in the article. But tell me – tell me uh, – continue, Mr. Dominic. Yeah. I mean, you know, with ECMAScript 6, right, ES6, otherwise known as, you know, good JavaScript, um, <laughs> although I still don't think you need classes. I'm just going to kind of throw that out there. I, I, I thought I saw, and I, and I still do think I do, a cooling in the kind of fervor of all these JavaScript replacements, right? Remember there was, uh, I think the first one was CoffeeScript, then there was Dart, um, and, and now there's, of course, TypeScript, which is also doing well. I just, I don't know, I see a lot of JavaScript still you know, being written, and, and particularly with ECMAScript 6, you have a lot of the advantages of if you really wanted like a classical type system for classes, right? You have that, or you you can have that. It's it's a situation where you don't have to use it. Um, like I probably wouldn't, but you can use it if. Here's his I point that he made. He said, "Dart, I found it. Dart is ready for prime time. You can build huge mission critical web applications in it, as we mm-hmm. did with AdWords for video." 
That's okay. That's that's got to be a pretty big scale mission critical application. No, no, yeah, it's a it's a powerful language. And like this. Is, yeah, he says, or you can take Flutter and start building mobile apps for Android and iOS. Yep. And as my recent articles will show, I have shown. Dart on the server goes really well with Dart on the client. So he's saying what you have here is something that builds incredibly large-scale, mission-critical applications. Combining it with Flutter, you can develop for Android and iOS. And, oh, by the way, works great on the server side. Well, that's what Ian was sharing, right? The Flutter uh, framework Mm -hmm. for Android and iOS. Yeah. My my problem with all of these technologies, though, is unless I'm starting a greenfield project, I've always found it awkward to try to use like a Dart or a CoffeeScript. Now, to be fair... I've had more experience, a lot more with CoffeeScript <laughs> because Rails made it the default. And I think Rails 4, I mean, it was really, it was a long time ago. Hmm. But I think we actually talked about it in the back catalog. I was grumpy then too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't understand why these exist. Right. I, th- that is my problem. People always ask me, well, what's your problem with all the JavaScript frameworks? Um, you know, React is kind of a different case. My issue with React is it's solving a problem most people don't have. Also, Facebook's licensing is terrible. The issue with like these JavaScript replacements, these, you know, particularly CoffeeScript and TypeScript, but also Dart to a lesser degree, hmm. is that it's solving a, a problem of JavaScript is hard and weird and finicky and has a lot of history. <laughs> yep. But I'm always working with code that's legacy. I like I. I don't get a whole lot of file new project projects these days. Oh, shit. So Did your know. pragmatic attitude about this just crash all of this hype down? You're right. You're never working with an ideal situation in the real world. Well, the, the problem is, like, when you're super junior, yeah, you might get a file new project. But, like, yeah, yeah, people, maybe. Pay, people hire me, like, and they bring me in on something that's, like, been totally screwed up. Yeah, right? exactly. That's the And I'm not going to rewrite the whole thing in TypeScript or Dart. So, I, I don't know, like... I I definitely understand that like in a high tower style alternate universe where JavaScript didn't exist, that like Dart would be a great choice. <laughs> and so with TypeScript, I still think CoffeeScript is deeply misguided. But the problem is that like compiling Dart or TypeScript into JavaScript, which is how they work in the browser, seems crazy to me and like a level of indirection that and to be clear, we I am talking about front-end browser-side development here. I oh, am yep. not talking about using it like on a server or anything like that. Or even, yeah, okay. Not, yeah. not talking Flutter. Well, if you were doing file new and doing a Flutter project, I'm sure that's fine. Okay. But I'm talking about company, you know, Acme Co. calls me and is like, yo, so we outsource this and it's all screwed up, but we don't want to rewrite it enterprise customers don't want to rewrite things right that's that's not the world they live in so the idea that i'm then going to now split their project up into two languages seems crazy and you could say well css is already another language html is already another language but really they're not right like a business logic language like javascript and I know it can be done, and i know people say they've been successful with it i just don't think it makes sense um, in fact, the only time I've ever split a project into two languages was an iOS app in Objective-C and Swift, and it worked. Every other case, and, that, and that's because Apple did a lot of work to make that work, right? Every other case has been, you know, like an Android project or, or an old, old school iOS project where 
I just needed to do something with graphics or video and I had to do it in C or C++ or like a Rails thing where you, you know, back in Rails 2 or 3, you wrote a C library for Ruby. Other than that, and particularly narrowing down to the scope of web browser, web application programming, unless I'm file new, I really don't understand. And I, I just don't think it's a really good idea for the customer for me to just arbitrarily decide to write the feature they hired me to write in a different programming language. That just seems crazy to me, Chris. Maybe I'm like old and grumpy these days. It's it's possible. <laughs> no. No, not it, not at all. You know, you you were <laughs> dropping the Swift bomb in there, and there's a bit of a there is a bit of a news bomb this week, and I'm really interested to get your take on uh, Chris Latner leaving Apple, going over to yep. Tesla. Now, if I'm I can't remember because it's been a year and a half or so since we were really talking about this, but wasn't Latner's name the one I saw in all the commits to the uh, early GitHub repo? Well, well Latner's, um, you know, he was an LLVM comp- uh, yes, uh, big right. time contributor. He actually spearheaded Clang over at Apple. He's basically the father of Swift, if we can use that uh, term of art. De- he seemed like he was definitely he. You know, he started w- at the compiler level, got uh, that accomplished, yeah. and then really kind of came in swinging with his. Uh, well, I would assume to be that he seemed to be the champion of Swift. I I, I imagine there's a got probably a big team working on it now, so it's not really one guy's project anymore. But it still seems like a pretty significant departure. It's, you know, I I don't want to get too much into the kabuki theater of like is this because Apple's been losing a lot of deep engineering talent to Tesla, which is where uh, Latner went. I don't know. Like he he he's also, and, I, and you might find this interesting, Chris. He is personally responsible for getting apple to open source swift or so the story goes oh really man this is mike's crazy theory so this is not remember mike's not a journalist just kind of following what he what he thinks he sees maybe he wanted to be more community oriented or maybe he just didn't find the challenges because remember he was in charge of xcode and like the language of swift and the whole project environment I don't know. Maybe the idea of self-driving cars is more interesting. Maybe you want to get back to the compiler. But well, I do a, wonder. Just a point of note, just to sort of mm-hmm. echo what you're saying there. Uh, this story broke via the Swift mailing list, like Which a is traditional really open source. Like a lot of the stories we cover in Linux Action yeah. Show, they originate on the mailing list, and then everybody writes something up on the mailing list. Ladner announced his resignation by posting to the Swift mailing list. Yeah. So, so this is where my crazy theory comes in. Apple has lost a lot of, um, I would say, like more Unixy oriented engineering talent. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's not the design heavy and, in particular, secretive culture that makes them go for greener, more engineering focused pastures, i.e., Tesla. And, and and it really is just Tesla. Like the, you can actually look this up. The amount of uh, engineering talent leaving Apple to go to Tesla is i'm not going to say concerning but i would say it's it's greater than most other companies right it's it's a pretty significant number so i don't know or or maybe he's a car guy right anything's possible i'm not trying to get into the kabuki theater thing though but i do wonder you know apple does have the reputation as a very secretive design run company and we've in the past maybe a couple hundred episodes ago talked about kind of tension between designers and developers. Is this a side product of that? Maybe not. Maybe it's just, hey, Chris wanted to go work on cars. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I wonder too, Mike, and this is just, I don't really think this is a strong one. I'm just going to toss this out. There's just something to chew on. 
I wonder, too, if because you are right, thinking back at it, <clears throat> it's a lot of the next Unix guys. Right. Um, and uh, I wonder if it's not just because it's you, Apple doesn't scratch that itch. Like it used to be like oh, I'm a Unix beard and I want the I want the command line, but I also want a graphical interface and Adobe Photoshop and Microsoft Office. So I'm going to get a Mac. And but I want to have I mean, and I, I met probably a hundred of these types of people at BSD can or I'm sorry, BSD um, wasn't BSD can. But meet BSD in Berkeley, California. That explains our next segment so well, but keep going. Yeah, so I met a lot of these guys in at Meet BSD. They were they were FreeBSD admins running MacBooks with terminals open into their uh, FreeBSD servers, and they they wanted these. And a lot, some of them, some of them were really old MacBooks, like really like the first metal yeah. MacBooks, MacBooks that I haven't seen in a long time. And I used to work at a school district, like really old stuff. And so seeing this, I realized, like, this is a real demo. There is a lot of guys in the engineering field and women in the engineering field and in the admin field. They're not necessarily developers. They're just maintaining BSD systems or Linux systems, and they're doing it from Macs because it was the work pay, work pay, all, I don't know how many, I think most of them, their work paid for their laptops just based on the conversations I was having. And so it's not really even, a, the, the, the cost of it isn't a factor. It's the, it's the pure practical aspect of it's pretty damn reliable, the hardware is good enough, and it's got a terminal. And that was really checking the boxes. And and now you can get that from a lot of different sources. You can get that from, well, we're going to get into that, where there's a lot of places you can scratch that itch now. And Apple, like you said, is not as interested in that. They're more interested in refining the design of what they probably feel like is a platform that's essentially matured. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you listen to Apple focused shows, which despite the hate nail, this is not, uh, there's a lot of, I would call it discontent uh, from the, you know, you can see the difference, right? You can see the people who came into uh, Mac because they were iOS or wanted to be iOS developers. And then you can see like the old Unix peers and the old Unix peers are getting a little grumpy. There's a little bit of like, well, how come like Ubuntu looks good now? Ubuntu should always look bad. Right. There's a little bit of maybe Mac isn't their priority. I don't know. I I mean, we've talked about that at length. I, I kind of don't want to get into that conversation. Yeah, just I'm good. Yet, let's but, move on. I'm good. You know, let's just move on to Dell because you know what, dude, you're getting Ubuntu. <laughs> you know what? I might. I don't know. Uh, that's a good, that is uh, that is a, a, a big story last week, and now this week I think I'm still chewing on it. Dell announced um, an update to their uh, XPS 13 line. They also announced a new Precision 3520 mobile yeah. workstation, and also, and I don't know if it's on this page. Doesn't look like it. They also announced an all-in-one sort of uh, iMac type machine. That actually, uh, look, yes, look, the, the Surface Studio. No, it doesn't doesn't fold down. Yeah, I know. But it, you know, it's kind of like it looks like a, a black iMac, a glossy black iMac with like some super legit speakers in the front, potentially. Uh, so that it could be a, it could be a decent machine for uh, like a family PC. If you think about it, uh, an Ubuntu sixteen oh four is the, is not a bad OS for a family PC because then you're not dealing with viruses and yeah, very stable. Yeah, so this is. Uh, Perhaps do you think signaling a uh, a market trend that Dell is uh, cashing in on, or what, what's your take on this, Mike? You know, we've been following this for a while, right? Disillusioned developers who are who are that kind of Unix beard, or in my case, Unix neck beard. 
<laughs> you know, not quite, not quite full beard, but you know, we want bash. <laughs> uh, folks who were using a Mac because it's a Unix system that works, right? I mean, I think I used to say just that in the early episode, mm-hmm. and now it doesn't, or now they feel for whatever reason that they've been left behind. Well, it's just not so, as practical. You know, now it doesn't have Ethernet. Well, guess what? My work machine, whenever I'm at my desk, I'm wired. I want no, Ethernet. You know, and now it doesn't get updated and you get stupid crap like the touch bar. I See, Ethernet, like, okay, maybe system admins care about that. I don't give a red test about Ethernet. If, you know, if um, you're doing anything over the network consistently and you want good performance reliably, you end up being wired. Because when you're working on a, mm-hmm. when you're working on a system or a server, you don't want to be the cause of... When you're testing something, you don't want to be the cause of intermittent connections. You know, you want to make sure it's true. I think I think most true. or or you know, also just just to just for me, I'm dealing with really large clips that are, you know, the smallest are maybe two gigs, one gig. And so moving that over wireless is it's not even just the inconsistent performance. It's just it's just really unbearably slow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I can tell you that like uh, you know, Compile times are kind of a big deal for me. Sure, yeah. Because I, I will very briefly but significantly peg the CPU on my machine, right? And before I had SSDs, I could listen to the hard drive crank like a mother. I mean, it, it was kind of sad. Well, I uh, I had a I had a fortunate opportunity to talk to Barton George, which is the guy running the Sputnik project at Dell. He's sort of the guy that's been running this whole Skunk Workhouse Works operation all along and trying to get right. Dell to go in this direction. And he's very good, very diplomatic. He's very good at his job and very diplomatic at it. And so he didn't really come right out and say it, but I got him to essentially acknowledge that there has been a there have been recent decisions by a by a large market player that's making people look at. These types of laptops more than ever, and he—they really so. are seeing. I think they're specifically seeing a high amount of adoption with the XPS 13 amongst developers. Is the was the impression I, mean, I, I walked away with? I, and and obviously, like I'm I, I'm fickle as a cat, um, but I cannot see myself changing away from a, a, a Linux system at this juncture, particularly an Ubuntu system, actually. And you know, if I. I mean, I'm extremely happy with my System76 Lemur. So the reality is, like, when it comes time to replace it, I'll probably look to them first. Um, yeah, but... I did a little comparison on Sunday's Linux Action Show. I heard. And, yeah, uh, yeah overall, uh, the Oryx, I think, was was a touch more expensive um, by, like, by about 280 bucks, But it came with a GTX 10 series graphics, and the Dell came with a GTX 8 series graphics. It just a, That's a phenomenal difference. The Oryx yeah, the would hands down win in a, in a in a in any kind of GPU based task, which I happen to use. Well, and, and you know the problem is if you're used to spending Apple money, like these things are cheap. I mean, I, I we, we go back like five or six episodes if you didn't hear it in the back catalog, but you know I got the Lemur and I just basically maxed everything that I wanted to max out out. Oh, and I can put more RAM in it when I want to. It's beautiful. Oh, and another hard drive. That you can't do with the Mac. Um, I, I think that, I mean, Chris, would you agree that Apple sort of opened a market segment for for like prosumer developers, IT admins, to shift towards Dell and System76 and these kind of Linux based systems? Yeah, and I, I think it's uh, sort of despite their uh, their uh, total lack of marketing because System76 doesn't have a large marketing budget. I, I yeah. don't think they do. I mean, I, th- I don't think they do much beyond maybe display ads and and some of the outreach they do on uh, other podcasts and JB. 
um, and and more that we're going to talk about in a moment. So there's there's very limited exposure there for them, and then the other places that link to them. And then Dell, you know, they have a they have a very large presence, but this particular product line of Dell is almost virtually it, unknown outside it's you know super our hard audience. To find too, it's super hard to find. Yeah, yeah, you really gotta you gotta go search it out. You gotta be looking for it. And so when you have a consumer who is actively seeking out your product, you you know you're. I think. I don't really give the props to them so much as this, they all got their stuff lined up and got their ducks in a row to have something for these people when they came looking, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're cashing in, I think, on a trend, light, rightfully so, as they should be. And what a good one I mean, for them I mean, to be getting on board with because now they don't have that Microsoft monkey on their back directing the product direction. Right. And well, and more importantly, if Dell does it, HP won't be far behind, right, which – you know, I, I am not the Linux advocate here, but I, you know, I do want a competitive landscape for Unix workstations because I tend to buy them, right? I mean, it, it would be great for that to be a thing that there was some competition on. Um, I mean, what kind of moron would go and buy a MacBook Pro now? What kind of sick, twisted you, sadist? You are doing this to me on purpose. You are intentionally getting me riled up. You... Someone who has devoted the better part of his adult life to advocating for Unix, particularly Linux, who runs what is it? The the it's not the it's not the Apple Act, no, no, Win, no, no the Linux Action Show. Uh-huh. Oh, and by the way, do you, do you like the Touch Bar? I mean, you just want to like swipe around? Or <laughs> okay. Is this like a all right? So we're gonna do this. Paper? We're gonna do this. Is that where, is that what's gonna happen right now? Just stroke it a little. Okay. Do you want to do this, or do we want to talk about my trip? What do you want to talk about? You first? went on a trip. I'm going on a trip. Well, I feel like we should do this because I don't think it's going to be as long as you think, and it's related to oh, what I we think, just talked about. Oh, I think it's going to be. You sick bastard. So but go ahead. Let's, all right. So before we go any further, let's thank Scale Your Code. It's a new sponsor here on the Coda Radio program, scaleyourcode.com. It's a resource that surrounds you with industry experts who share their knowledge on scalability. I was looking at some of their interviews. They're, they're awesome. And I, I thought this one was fascinating. This is the operations engineer at Etsy. Um, also, I think he authored uh, Customizing Chef. He's created uh, also just like a ton of open source projects around Chef. He did an interview over at ScaleYourCode.com that looks at Etsy's current architecture and as well as their engineering culture, which I think is kind of an interesting aspect of Etsy. Uh, so you could check it out. It's probably one of at least five or six that I was looking at in just the last day that I just was like, I got to watch this one. I got to watch this one. I got to watch this one. They have also uh, the founder of Ruby on Rails and the CTO of Basecamp and the chief architect at Reddit. And founding member of Netflix's first site reliability, reliability engineering team. It's a really great resource for professionals, for developers, for software engineers, or architects, or system administrators. Um, I think this is pretty. I think this is pretty fascinating uh, offering that they're making because it takes a lot of work to get these people that are super busy and sit down and do this really long form content. Like this Etsy interview is forty five minutes long. This is kind of a rare thing. Go to scaleyourcode.com, learn how others run their tools in production, and honestly, take advantage of the mistakes they've made so you don't have to make the same ones. And get a little idea of how their cultures work and see what might work in your area. That's a huge asset. Scaleyourcode.com. Go there and check them out. And a big thank you to Scale Your Code for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. Scaleyourcode.com. Go check them out and get access to interviews and all that good stuff and tutorials and all that. All right, Mr. Dominic, here's the thing. Now, did you have to register with your local police bureau? <laughs> I, I want to make it clear. I do not own a MacBook, and I do not – I mean uh, the new one. I have an old 2013. No, no, you haven't done it yet, but, but 
let me ask you a question. If you were to go into your browser history. No, nope, nope. I actually haven't even mm-hmm. done that. I haven't even done the fantasy config. Nope, nope. And I also want to maintain that I still think it is a bad product that mm-hmm. is uh, a massively underwhelming update after so, so long of a wait. And, and I've gotten emails from people that say the touch bar gets in the way. They accidentally set it off and they say that the, really the buttons, the interface changes all the time. It's no good. So I don't think if I was going to do it, I don't, uh, the only, I don't, I don't, I just don't, I don't think I get a touch bar one unless it's the only way to get dedicated graphics. Here's my situation. Which I think it is, but keep going. I'm not going to buy one, but here's the, here's the reality I was dealing with. And I was, this is actually what I was talking with the beard uh, about before we got on air is, um, I'm, I've got this vlog project I'm working on. Vlog, you know? And uh, I feel so stupid when I say that word. I just, I'll you get over it. You sound like a teenage girl, but keep Yeah, going. I know, I know, I know. Uh, and it's it's doing like super well. It's probably the most successful project I've ever launched. And boy, did I really, really, really get a sense of that when um, I think my Tuesday or Wednesday video got pulled down for a couple of days. And... Uh, I've never gotten that much volume because it only affected people outside the U.S., which is where the majority of my audience is. But I got – I spent the entire day responding to tweets and emails and I tried to respond to all of them and Reddit posts. And I got – I mean the, the scale of the people who decide to go watch the vlog and then they, they, they love it because it's, 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 a totally, it's a totally organic thing and it's behind the scenes of stuff they've been listening and watching. People love it and I'm, it's like this, OK, I'm going to keep doing it kind of project. I don't know how I'm going to make it work, but it's one of the most successful things I've ever launched. Even even if the numbers are the numbers are great so far for something I just started a couple of weeks ago. But uh, even besides that, uh, it's just the engagement for the people who do tune in. I, I I really get a good sense of wow, this is a thing that is really taking off. And uh, the reality is, is I have a couple of cameras now that shoot at extremely high resolution and high frame rates. Uh, one of my cameras is actually capable of shooting at a thousand frames per second. The other camera that I use the most that shoots at a high is it's a 4K camera at who, 60 who frames made, per second. Uh, what, ca- what specific cameras are those? The, well, the one's a Sony. The one that's a high frame rate okay. is a Sony. Then the DJI Phantom 4 Pro is a 4K camera at 60 frames per second at 100 megabit data rate for the file. And that's the lower setting. And then I have traditional cameras that don't have as high a bit rates and they're fine. But when I'm working with the higher end footage, my, 20, my 2013 laptop dies like it just chug 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 oh, no, chug shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah yeah it's fine it's it's to be expected and that's when i realized like if that machine were to die tomorrow i or or if i had the if i if bitcoin was at two thousand dollars or something <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah you, you keep dreaming <laughs> i know uh it got up to over a thousand for a little while uh, that's where the that's where the phantom came from. Um, so if if it if if I had if I was in the op- if I had an opportunity, I w- I would possibly consider getting one of those MacBooks if it could make my editing more doable, even if it only has sixteen gigs right. of RAM. And that's a horrible I have- thing. I hate to even say it because it's overpriced. Uh, it is underpowered, and uh, I, it prioritizes things that I don't prioritize. And it doesn't have an SD card reader, which is how all of this footage comes into my laptop. But but you're a sucker for overpriced and underpowered. So <laughs> let, let me just okay. I would actually like to have an Oryx. It's just really the problem is Final Cut because I don't I wouldn't I don't right. Even... I was gonna say it must be Final yeah. Cut. Yeah, it had. It was like the only because re- yeah. you are talking about 
And I, I'm not even going to attack you for like ragging on me forever and getting me to switch to Linux. I'm, I'm not even going to go there right. of like, you know, haranguing me for spending all that money I used to spend on Macs. Well, don't don't characterize like this is my only computer. No, no. I've but got like really, 12 computers. I mean, you are real. OK, I'm going to go to store.apple.com on my lovely Ubuntu yeah, system right yeah. now. Now, let me tell you. So I and I, I I really try hard not to make this show about the podcasting business or about video editing because people hate it when I do that. Uh, and so I really apologize, but I, I do need to give a little bit of context just so people understand what I. What yeah, but the, you know, in this case, you know, developers need. Well, they don't need. Okay, web developers don't, but like, you know, it, it's just easier if you have VMs running and you have like multiple browsers and you're compiling things to have a high performance machine. Yeah. So, yeah. a two terabyte high performance SSD would literally be a game changer for me because right now I have to successfully r sync right, off two, all of the previous days footage. Yeah, you got to go two terabytes. Slow slow it down for me. Oh, that that upgrade alone is $1,200. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm assuming you want the higher end processor. Because here's the thing is I'm going to run Linux on it too, so I have to have space for Linux. Yeah. uh, No, what's the the base processor? Uh, The base is 2.7 gigahertz. What's the... uh, I should go look. Three six, three six, three six versus three. Go eight. ahead and go ahead and leave the uh, base processor on there because that's uh, still going to be better than mine. Same. Now I have to imagine that two gigs of memory is not enough on the Radeon four fifty five, which by the way is an old processor. Uh, I mean, so you're going to upgrade to four, which probably is not long term going to be enough for you either. But yeah, and the thing is, is like you kind of have to do it because you can't what you you can't go back. Like there's no work. there's no change right. in that. Just with your storage upgrade and your your uh, four gigabyte graphics card, you are up to without taxes now, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four thousand ninety nine dollars. Yes, yes. That's why it's not going to happen. That's ridiculous. Okay, yeah. why are you even considering a MacBook Pro? If you were, I mean, if you were going to buy a Mac, why not wait a month and a half or whatever until the new iMacs come out? I mean, I'm I'm not going to buy one, so that's probably the strategy I'll take is wait and see if Apple pulls their head out of their butt in regards, in regards to performance and hardware and cost. Uh, but it's probably not likely. The real thing is Final Cut. I've really screwed myself because I does no one have an app like Final Cut? No, I really don't think so. And I know everybody's gonna oh, yeah, but. but you know what, guys? I I this is what I do every single night and every single day. Like I now I do it all day and all night long. Like I really know the tools I'm using, and in my opinion. For the workflow I have, there is nothing like it. Oh, I, hang on, Chris. I forgot to mention that $4,100 machine I spec for you has 16 gigs of RAM. Yeah, I know. Just wanted to throw that out there. I know, I know. And, and a graphics card that's kind of really sad. That that was old the day it came out. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And the, and the real – the so I've also considered – yes, I've considered Hackintoshing. It was one of the things we were discussing. I just recently did another round of sort of a quick evaluation of that. Um, and, and the problem is is I'm not, I'm not screwing around. I'm I'm trying to get my job done. I'm trying to get work done, and I don't want to screw. I'm I don't want to mess around with a toy. And a Hackintosh is the it's the same problem I have with my Arch workstation upstairs, which is currently broken. Eventually, a bill's going to come due, and I'm going to pay it. An update isn't going to work. And Final Cut right. is one of these applications that is closely tied to the version of the operating system. And so, just like I have with the previous four Hackintoshes that I've owned, they'll eventually get dramatically out of date. Right. Even my even my actual legit Apple machines get out of date because the, I don't really like their operating system, so I don't tend to want to upgrade. And then all of a sudden, I'm three releases behind. So let me let me ask you this horrible question because um, I actually dual boot my lemur because I have to have Visual Studio for some projects. What about like Windows? 
What about a very yeah. like a powerful Windows yeah. workstation? Yeah, I mean, I could I could definitely get a better price to hardware performance ratio, and I could get well, a machine well, that has. There the, are Windows applications analogous to Final Cut. You know, Premiere is really great. It's pretty close. Uh, but yeah. now that I am in this crazy mixed frame rate, mixed speed um, universe, and I'm trying to avoid going into it just to bore people that don't give a crap about this, but. Suffice it to say, Final Cut is doing some really great magic for me in real time without any re-rendering or transcoding required. And it makes getting a daily thing out that's very highly well-produced possible. And without the kind of those key components, and Premiere is close, but it still doesn't float my boat, especially in the way the UI is laid out and things like that. It just still doesn't do it for me. The problem for me is I'm all about like investing in your business. Like four grand is a lot of money, but you know what? If that's what you need, that's what you need. The problem is this machine is not at all future-proofed. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I will eat my hat if well, Apple doesn't release a rev that's like significantly more. Now, there's probably a MacBook Pro owner listening and say, well, that's not true at all. The uh, Thunderbolt 3 USB-C combo port gives me infinite expandability externally. You know, that's not realistic. I mean, then just buy a freaking desktop, right? Yeah, if that was realistic, I wouldn't be considering a laptop with two terabytes of SSD storage. Right, and and they wouldn't even offer that. I, I we should probably get off the MacBook hate train because we talk about it a lot. But it is a, but actually, it's a really. I think the lesson I take away from this, and I, what I hope the audience realizes is, you probably have a lot of things I could try, and you just kind of have to assume that I've been working this problem for a while and I've tried a lot of them. Right. And what I've, what the conclusion I've come to is, I should have never started using Final Cut. Because once, right, I, locked in. once I did that, I locked myself in. Right. And I got in a position where for a long time, I was the only person that was, re- that was producing, recording, editing, and publishing all these shows. And so I developed the most efficient, streamlined production pipeline possible to make it possible for one, yeah. one man to do all of that. And in doing so, I really ironed out the fastest way to produce content I can come up with. And Final Cut is an important part of that. And the situation now is replacing that tool would fundamentally change the amount of content I could produce or the enjoyment I have in producing that content because I don't want to struggle with a tool either. That's because it's a, the problem is it's also a creative process. It's not just sitting down and punching in numbers. I am creating content. And so it's a creative, thoughtful process. Well, and you have a schedule that needs to be like respected. You, it, things can't take three times as long. But I, mean, God, I, I, would, I would do anything to be ignorant to the differences. I would, I would really right. love to be able to go back in time because then I would, I would be on better hardware now and maybe I would be working faster. What do I know? So my lesson yeah, here know. is I, don't get locked into any particular tool that you – and the tool being tied to a particular hardware vendor is really – that combo is really what screws me. If Final Cut well, was unshackled from Apple hardware, it would be a game changer. But that's never going to happen because it's tied into the OS so deeply. I mean we, we can abstract this out a little bit to uh, even – in fact, I just had a conversation about a week and a half ago with somebody who their business is so locked into a legacy version of SharePoint that they don't know what to do. Yes. Yeah, yep. It's the same idea. Once you are locked or in access or, or SQL. Access, oh God, how many things have I had? To oh my God, dude, you would not believe the businesses I've seen run off access databases. Like huge, like I can't say the names, but huge yep. companies yep. that you've heard of yep. are like one access thing goes down and their business shuts down. Yep, I yep, I, I can't say yeah. either. But there's businesses that some people, even people that don't live near me, their their money probably flows through these businesses and they're running off access databases. And you no, know, it is really. I mean, access act. All right, Chris, I'm going to confess. I've done so many access migrations to like MySQL databases now, <laughs> Postgres databases, that I'm not that scared when somebody says access. Yeah. 
but SharePoint. Think about all the businesses that are locked into Active Directory, right? Because their oh, entire okay. not permissions. that bad though. You know what? You you can. Yeah. There is a path to migrate Active Directory. I'm not so saying it's the worst, but I mean, just in terms yeah. of like supporting, like there. So my version of lock-in, it's not in in terms of the type of lock-in you can have. It'd be it's my one computer, and I like my with my MacBook now. I I spend eighty percent of my time in Arch, and I spend the rest of my time editing in Final right. Cut OS. And that's that's basically I go into Final Cut OS, and then I reboot back into Arch. I don't even have like my Chrome profile logged in or any like it's just a really plain editing system. And that's also why it's kind of stings me a little bit to spend that much money on a MacBook because I don't take advantage of things like handoff, even though I have an iPhone, and I don't take advantage of iMessage, and I I don't use iCloud, like I don't use that stuff very much, so I don't really need the Mac ecosystem i just need final cut lock yeah, in Mike. I, don't, I don't know All what right. to tell you i mean i i i, I want to hear about your trip though oh so i hope i'm allowed, i'm supposed to talk about this i thought I, you know for part of me thought maybe you were never going back to florida i thought man because he might you know he went down there he got his foot he got his fill but you've been back a couple of times i think yeah well i, I go there on vacation a lot because my wife has family there uh, oh that's um, right of course yeah, but also, I mean, I'm going to an SBA conference, but you know what? That's not the interesting trip. In one week, I'm going to Florida and Colorado. And I, Chris, I think you'll find Colorado interesting for a number of reasons. Oh, really? I've uh, I've been there myself, actually. I'm sure you have. I'm amazed that you remember, but I'm sure you have. <laughs> you, you druggie. They are my bitter enemy because uh, uh, Colorado technically legalized cannabis after Washington – but they implemented it faster, and so they get all of the credit around the nation. Yeah, I'm expecting to land and get a contact high almost immediately. Yeah, you'd be surprised at how little you'd even notice. Although you might see the stores from time to time. Uh, so you're, uh, actually, but that's not what you're actually going there for. No, I, in fact, I'm I'm not into that. So I will be I will stick with my gin and juice or my martinis. Um, I am going to visit the fine folks, the fine Ryan Snipes, whose name I constantly say wrong, at System Seventy Six. I love it. So you're going down yep. there. You got uh, you're going to take like the uh, like the Jupiter Broadcasting angle for me while you're there. Are you gonna Are you gonna like report on the entire event? Come back on the show you know what? because I know how much you love Apple. I will try to get someone to do a video interview on my iPhone. <laughs> wow, wow. You see, I open it up as a nice compliment, like, yeah, Mike's going, he's going to rep, he's going to come back and give us a full report, and you take a shot. You take a shot. I have to. You know how I am. <laughs> Yeah, you had. Have you had the lemur for over a year now? Has it been a year? I don't think it's. Been it's a been year. a while. I feel like it's, but that's awesome. And you've uh, you've definitely spread the word on the show about uh, about the. Uh, so you, you should know, be I've in the super fan category. Email me asking about how do you like the lemur, and you know what the number one question I get from folks uh, when they ask me about the lemur. Should I get the lemur or the oranx? Yeah, yeah. Like, which like, I find weird because they're it's like, very. Well, what do you want? Do you want super portability or do you want right. super horsepower? Yeah, yeah I don't. I mean, the the, the serval is. Although I see, I've never held either of those, but I I'm excited to go. I mean, I don't know. I was told I was going to see some fun stuff. I don't know what that means. Um, you know, Ryan's an attractive guy, so that could be fun too. Yeah, yeah, you could. Uh, you just kind of just stand next to him and absorb some of it. Well, I, I'm hoping to like somehow like steal his hair care products. Yeah, or something like that. Like, get, kinda, or, or, get, maybe or at least get a load. few. Get a few tips. If you tip something, you know what you ought to do like, hey, is what I would do is if you're if you know really invest in this, I would follow him home at night, right, oh. and look in his window, and then you can just sort of observe naturally in his home habitat. 
I've done it before anyway, so don't worry about it. I prefer like looking through the bathroom window as he's showering. I mean, yeah. Well, you, I, dude, just ask. I'll send you the RTMP feed. I've got a live stream. That that would be great. I mean, so so uh, I may not be going now because Ryan might just email. You know what? No. <laughs> Get it out of here. <laughs> no, I, I'm I I don't know a whole lot about it. They are doing an event. Um, there's a very old timey RPG style promo up for it, mm-hmm. which also. When I get onto a plane with a broadsword, it'll be interesting. So you can uh, – if you're listening, you can find out at their website and you can join. I think there's there's a video there. It gives you details on what you got to yeah. do and I think it involves glitter. Uh, that's very cool, Mr. Dominic. I think you're going to – I think you're going to really like the team over there. They're a bunch of great people. Well, my goal is to actually get someone to come back with me. So I'll already be in Colorado and fly to Washington State and kind of sit you down and have a Mac intervention. <laughs> I think you might own more Macs than I do, just to be clear. I'm in, I'm in media Macs production. I'm in media production. <laughs> I own a Mac to build a small army. Oh, man. Yeah, a Mac invention. All right, well, you know what? If that involves an Oryx Pro in tow, I might, uh, I might be oh. receptive to that. <laughs> so you're open to bribes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Well, I, I think Tim Cook's got deeper pockets. He'll just show up with like a, hey, I hear they can't even sell Mac Pros. Do you want one? Yeah, you know, Tim Cook showed up. He'd have an iPad in hand, and no thanks. It'd probably be a used iPad Mini. Neither hey, cheap. Let's not pick on there. Tim. He got a salary cut, fifteen percent. That's yeah, that's rough. Yeah, it's rough for Tim. You're right. Super rough for Tim. I mean, being a multimillionaire. Well, you know what's ironic is that pay cut to him is less consequential than the than the than the cost of buying one MacBook would be to me. Like in terms of overall financial impact. <laughs> I'm not sure that I could buy a MacBook right now. Yeah, I, well, I, that's like I said, like Bitcoin is too low. And I'd, not only would I could I not buy it now, but I'd have to find a way to buy the takes Bitcoin. Do you really still have a ton of money in Bitcoin? No, no, I got to be careful with it now. I got to be careful. I thought Bitcoin was like, I, I checked, uh, there was a, a, what is it, Ether? The Ether currency? Ethereum? Ethereum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was rough. Yeah, Dogecoin, Litecoin, they've all been rough. But yeah. Bitcoin, it was just up above 1100 And, you know, I, I, I love it because people mocked me for doing it. I never think I, I, sp- I never I never spent, like, more than $150 on a Bitcoin, maybe at the peak. And right. uh, and now I've, I've always spent when it's above 800 So I, I do that because I get so much more purchasing power. I've been able to keep Jupiter Broadcasting going by reinvesting it, the, that in the hardware here. It's, like, literally been... It's been the lifeblood of hardware in this company now for years. It's like one of the best business things I ever did. And who would have thought a crazy cryptocurrency would have turned out to be so good for – I mean I could I could have cashed it out and I could have definitely used the money. But uh, you know, it's – without it, I think we would have been up S Creek a few times throughout last year and the year before. It's been so uh, – so I don't know how long it's going to be around, but I won't have Bitcoin for too long because I'm choosing to self-invest. I feel that way about reselling Apple hardware. <laughs> yeah, it is in a way. It's like, yeah, it's like it's a self-investment. I don't have investors. We don't take on like yeah. a huge, you know, personal loans from the bank. So – but you, but when you're a small business that's trying to grow no. and bring on more stuff, you got to you got to. out something. I feel your bootstrapping pain. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, I uh, – so when is – when are – do you know when you're going out there? When – so, yeah, this is tricky. So I'm actually flying from New Jersey to Orlando, and then I be- – this is February. Whew. I believe on the 9th <coughs> – excuse the cough. On the evening of the 9th, I'm flying to 
Denver, and the event is on the 10th and the 11th of February. Okay. You know, so one, if you're local to Denver, I obviously will not have an automobile, but if you want to meet up at a pub in, in town, I'm always happy. Denver's got uh, great public transportation. Does it really? Really okay. solid. In fact, right up near the System 76 office. They got roads just for public transport. It's amazing. Uh, the... Um, the uh, before you're gonna, I was gonna say one one when you're traveling that much with a young family, make sure you have like FaceTime or Duo or whatever set up before you go, so that way you can. Yeah, we have we have FaceTime. I mean, so yeah. my wife, ever the clever lady, oh, you're going to Orlando? Well, uh, me and Reese will go to Disney World. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Because I needed a room anyway. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, cool. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that helps with the travel a little bit. You know, when I'm on the road, I'm, I try to FaceTime with the kids. Like, yeah, it does. And then I'll only be gone for about, I think, two nights or three nights or something. Because when I go to Orlando, they're going to come home. Uh, or when I go to Denver, they're going to come home. But, you know, I, I've actually never been to the city of Denver before that I recall. It's nice. So, I, have yeah, a, I have a YouTube video on the Jupiter Broadcasting YouTube channel about my visit last year. Do you want to get a look at the area and see what the office looks like? Now, is it a felony to view that video in New Jersey? I mean... Yeah, I'm not sure. There's a lot of porn in it, so it could. No, porn is okay in New oh, Jersey. Oh, I mean, okay. if you met our past governors. I mean, they're <laughs> they are they are fine with that. <laughs> hey, the Hawk of Truth in the uh, JB Hawk of Truth in the chat room says that he might be up for buying you a beer. Sounds. I good. feel we like go you kind of owe him a beer though, because he's given us a lot of good titles. But that's it. Yeah, we're well, no, you know, <laughs> Drinks are on me, JB Hawk. But yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's awesome. hook up. So that's uh, that'll be cool. I can't wait to hear about that. And uh, I say, Mr. Dominic, if you can sneak out of there, because I have a sense they're going to be seeing some new KB Lake hardware. I would guess by because they have a lot of lake stuff in their uh, teaser here. You notice that well, KB Lake em- or whatever it's I'm, called. That's my guess. I'm not sure if that teaser is current, but I'm bringing an empty carry on, you know, in case anything like falls off the factory line. Oh, it's current. It's current. Oh, it's current. Oh, it's Ooh. current. Yeah, I would see the legend of the lake. Huh? Right? All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, you get where I'm going with that? Mm -hmm. So I'm saying just walk out of there with an Oryx KB Lake, okay? That's all I'm asking for. (laughs) Yeah, let me just kind of like slip through. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to be good. Well, all right, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we want to cover on this legendary episode of the Code Radio program where I got ribbed mostly through the entire episode? And you deserved it. (laughs) I did. I really did. Well, I guess I'll add this. You can follow Mr. Dominic on the tweeters. And if you are going to be in the Denver area, that might be a great way to reach out. Mike, which Twitter handles should they contact and for what follow reasons? Follow at Tumanuko and at Buccaneer Tech. Also, go to Buccaneer IO. We're running some promos. Hey, nice. Check that out. You can follow me. I'm at Chris LES. That vlog I mentioned, youtube.com slash Chris Fisher. And the network at Jupiter Signal and our calendar for live times. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar. You'll also find a contact page there where you can send in a note to your very fine hosts or you can engage on our subreddit at coderadio.reddit.com. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We'll see you right back here next week.